Welcome to Me Time, the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I'm Kim Aceto, health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host. Thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I'm here with Treva Brandon Scharf. Let me tell you about Treva. Treva is an ICF certified life coach, dating expert, fitness pro, blogger, and marriage first timer at 51. With over 35 years in the fitness business and many more in the singles world, Treva knows firsthand how to achieve peak performance in life and love. Treva writes about empowerment, surviving singledom, and finding love later in life at her blog, The Late Blooming Bride. She's a contributor to Huffington Post, Hollywood Progressive, Ariana Huffington's Thrive Global, Relationship Development and Transformation, Midlife Boulevard, Medium, Bustle, Curves Connect, Better After 50, and many others. Treva is an in-demand speaker for conferences, panels, online summits, and podcasts. As a post-50s influencer, she is a voice for strong, independent women. Treva currently hosts the podcast Done Being Single with her husband, Robbie, at donebeingsingle.com. When she's not imparting tough love to her clients and followers, Treva volunteers as a Special Olympics coach and fulfillment fund mentor for at-risk kids. She's passionate about politics, policy, and people of all ages and abilities. Treva, welcome to the Me Time Midlife Podcast. Thanks so much. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah. And um, we're going to have a conversation today about um, your parents, about losing your parents. But we are going to have you back for another conversation about dating. Um, and that's going to be coming up too, so real soon. So I'm looking forward to talking to you about that. Um, but as a first-time guest, uh, I want to ask you the question I ask every first-time guest, which is, what do you enjoy doing during your me time? Is this before pandemic <laughs> or well, during? I, I, that's a great, no one's asked me that yet. Um, whatever you'd like, I guess, that's a, that's I guess during question. would be most relevant. Yeah. Right. Now. Uh, they're similar. I, I pretty much, uh, me time before pandemic is very similar to me time during pandemic. Um, I, uh, it, with the exception that of before pandemic, I would get regular massages. I am a big fan of this, you know, the local spa where I go to. I love steam and sauna, mas massage therapy, um, Thai massage, reading, um, chilling out, doing nothing, not having to feel productive, not having to, not feeling obligated to be productive, uh, stopping in the middle of the day to lie down um watch tv which is so indulgent like i would never do that ever uh pre pre-pandemic or pre pre-parents uh but now i allow myself to 
uh, what else? So exercise, did I mention that? I've been exercising a lot, which is something I always have done, but now it's different. It's for different purposes. Now it's for my head. Now it's for my sanity. Um, I have been, I've managed to um, stay off of antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication uh, thanks, thanks to my endorphins and CBD oil. So I'm just going with that. It's been a great therapy for me, exercise. And um, I would say just being, luckily, I have a husband, a partner. I spent many, many years alone. I'm also an only child. So to have someone hold my hand during this time is, it cannot be overestimated. Um, it's been, he is as much a part of my me time as, as anything. And we, and, and that means we don't even have to do anything. Sometimes we do nothing. And just to have someone by my side is so therapeutic for me. So I'm really interested in this because I too am an only child like yourself and I too don't have kids like yourself. Um, and I still have my parents, but you lost your parents in the past six months, both of them. So let's just start with what was that like? Like what happened? And, you know, more importantly, you know, I want to talk about what this was like for you and, you know, how you're, you've been able to move through this on top of COVID and, you know, all this chaos politics. that we've been talking about and <laughs> yeah. politics and all of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, I'm still, I'm still going through it. So I'm going to just report to you from the front. Um, I'm still, uh, I'm still sort of in the trenches. Um, no joke. I do feel like I have some, some PTSD from this whole experience. My both parents were not in great health. Dad was 91. Uh, mom was 86 and um, mom went into the hospital emergency. Um, she's a type one diabetic, unmanaged, not very well controlled and had been not well for a really long time. And it was just a matter, it was really just a matter of time before, you know, catastrophe struck. And she was really, uh, my mother, my mother, God bless her, very obstinate, very prideful, very vain, um, didn't really want the help, kept refusing a caregiver, said she could handle it, you know, and so we were, our hands were kind of tied and she just kept declining. And then finally she ended up in the emergency room with uh, diabetic ketoacidosis which then led to a whole chain reaction of, uh, name it, you know, uh, pulmonary embolism, and then pneumonia and um, AFib and everything. I mean, it, it, her, everything just started shutting down. A week after uh, my mom was in the hospital, my dad had not been well also for a long time. And finally, my stepmother said, you're going, you're, you've got to go to the ER. I'm very worried about you. You're slurring. It sounds like you've had a stroke. Well, what happened was he had a brain tumor, um, he had lung cancer, basically, that had met metastasized. 
and um you know not a shock the guy was uh, a chain smoker all his life so when he got the diagnosis he opted for assisted suicide so just that alone is like a fucking mind blower okay that's like stop the presses okay this is the heaviest thing you could ever experience you could ever watching knowing someone is going to die like an expiration date um and then being in the room when he did it when he went was it was so surreal but i couldn't really take a minute to digest it all because i had my mother to worry about who was still in the hospital so he died end of january mom continued to sort of dec keep declining but but stable enough for her to get into rehab she was in rehab for three months in the facility then we got her into an assisted living facility at the same time she her dementia really started coming on so she lost a ton of cognition um in the hospital and then that it just kept sliding after that and we got her into an assisted living facility three weeks after that she fell and broke her hip she went back in the hospital long, long story short from from December to May, when she finally passed away, she had been in 14 hospital beds, different different hospital beds. And um, I was on death watch for months. I mean, every day I have, this is where the PTSD comes in because every morning I would wake up going, oh God, what is today gonna bring? What crisis du jour? She wasn't going, you know, we were, this is going to sound terrible, but anybody who's been in a similar situation can probably relate. You want them to go because it's no life. It's just horrible. And then you add in um, a pandemic. So she, in March, I, I hadn't seen, nobody could see her since California pretty much shut down March, I don't know what it was, 16th, 15th. That's the last time I saw her. And um, so there's that, that she had to die alone. So there's so many pieces of this that are horrific. Um, but I, I couldn't, I had to keep it together, which is what only children do. Because if you don't keep it together, and if you're not your own little pillar of strength, which I was growing up, um, you have nobody else, man, that's it. Like if you don't keep it together, you can't depend on anybody. It's only, it's really you. So I had to just keep my shit and my wits about me. <laughs> and um, it's, and then the whole pandemic, it's, it, I mean, I cannot believe they went this year an election year, a pandemic year, I have had no time, just when I'm starting to heal, you know, it's been difficult to catch my breath and decompress because there's so many other things going on to worry about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that goes back to your self-care that, that I asked you in the beginning, you know, those, those things, those anchors, I like to call them, like, they're just so important, you know, cause you got to, take care of yourself during this time, especially, like you said, as an only child, especially, you know, watching yeah, your parents die, yeah. you know? 
Yeah, you can't afford to to really let go. Mm. Um, I I do because I I see that there is there is many benefits to letting go and falling apart, which is horrifying to me because God forbid I'm ever vulnerable. <laughs> um, I don't like feeling vulnerable. I do not like feeling fragile. I hate feeling raw, and yet here I am, face to face with all these things, and it's and I see the benefit in allowing myself to feel all those things mm. because I think I don't know when history is written um, and history will be written soon about this experience for me. I know that I will come out of this with, uh, if I haven't already achieved a level of wisdom mm. and self illumination mm-hmm. um, because it's all, all right in front of my face. I've allowed myself to be, to feel uh, as weak as, as possible. And I just, I just admit it. I'm a weak, you know, I, I joke as people say, Oh, you're, you're so strong. And I, you're handling it so well. No, I'm not. I'm weak. I'm, you know, I'm scared. I'm afraid. I'm insecure. Um, having your parents go is, Oh my God, even though I am, I'm so independent, they were, they were kind of always there. They were so in my life. We were so, this is such a different topic and maybe another podcast episode, but very codependent with each other. And so they had a massive presence, a massive presence in my life and getting used to them not being here is, it's a, wow, it's an adjustment. Uh, so getting back to the me time, yeah, there is something incredibly healing and scary about allowing myself to feel vulnerable and weak, um, and fragile. But like I said, I I kind of, I'm, I'm viewing it almost as I would any other sort of training technique. Uh, if I wanted to get strong, I would lift weights, right? Well, I'm getting strong in a different way. I'm letting go and I'm surrendering. I'm trying that. I'm trying that for the first time in my life. It's scary as hell, but I will tell you that it will it will make me stronger. So I'm curious, you know, for people listening who are going through, you know, this pandemic, like all of us are, but are maybe dealing with uh, some other things on top of it, like you are, uh, what can they do? Uh, what has helped you? How, how can you bring some, some things from your past, some positive things that can kind of help you move through this? What's working so, for you? So uh, just looking at your past performance uh, in, in response to any crisis or any trauma. I mean, you people are stronger than they think they are you you really are and you will be tested and this thing will test you um you will feel challenged um but if you dig deep enough and you face it you invite it don't fight it invite it uh you will see i think that you will actually be very impressed with yourself and i I feel very strongly about finding little, little small wins along the way, the little victory, the small victories and the small, you know, the, the little wins um, that gets you through. 
that to be able to little pat on the back for something every day is very, very important. It gives you a little wind at your back. It, it propels you forward so that you don't feel just like, and like you're just completely hopeless or powerless. That's a terrible feeling. Um, it's something as an only child, I, I am terrified, as I just said, of feeling powerless, out of control and vulnerable. But if you face it and you move through it, you'll be shocked at how much you've got. You just have to just, you know, just do it, take a deep breath. And, um, you know, easy for me to say, but I'm, I'm moving, I seem to be moving through it. I do have moments. I am gripped in fear. This thing has brought mortality issues mm. up for examination, like I've never had before. Feelings of who's going to take care of me. Mm -hmm. I don't have anybody. It's made me more fearful of, oh my God, what would happen? What would happen if I lost Robbie, my husband? Um, I never had to depend on anybody. Now I feel so like dependent. It's just ugh. Mm. But um, <laughs> but this is but I'm human. And it's okay. It's okay to reach out. And I, I'm starting to see the, like I said, the benefits of just allowing yourself to, to feel this um, because I think it's human and I think it's important. And when history is written and when we, do, we will get through this and we will get on, you know, to the other side. Um, I want everybody to be able to look back on their performance and even performances before this and go, well, I got through that. I got through that and I got through the, that thing and then that thing, you know, a few years ago and that. And so, I don't know. What's to say you can't get through this? And I think people are resilient and I think they're um, a, very adaptive and I think they're creative. And God bless ingenuity. Yeah, I, there's a couple things I wrote down here that I want to highlight. Um, I really like how you said, don't fight it, invite it. And then you got to celebrate the small wins along the way, you know, and it, I mean, the, the, the smallest ones, you know, sometimes they're very, very small, but you have to recognize those things. And then moving through it, I like how you said that. And as opposed to getting over it, right, going around it, like, shutting it out, right? You, you're talking about moving through it and feeling all the feelings and being present. And, you know, for me, what, what it all comes down to here, um, which is the most beautiful part of the work that I do with my clients, and you probably feel the same way, is it's about the journey, like you said. And most importantly, that question, who did I become in this process. And I think that's the beautiful transformation here is, you know, this thing happened to you. And of course, it's, it was going to happen. We all lose our parents, we all lose, every, we all lose everybody, you know. Um, but inviting that in, and the person, the woman that you are going to become through this, you don't even know yet, but you know, it's going to be so good for you. Yeah, because I come from a, first of all, I'm a lifelong athlete. So I, and I'm a fitness professional, so I know uh, what pain can do to someone. It's 
beautiful. <laughs> pain takes you, takes you to the next level. Pain prepares you for life. Um, I hired a grief and trauma counselor. I meditate, which is something I had already done, been doing. But wow, it's, you know, I, I'm doing it all the time right now. And journaling. I do a type of journaling called thought dump, which is not, you don't keep the journal. You don't reread the journal. You don't edit the journal. You never look at it again. You write it. You just get it out. It's like a purge. It's a dump. And then I rip it up into a million pieces and I throw it away. Um, and with, and then, so I do those. Those are some of my tools for um, self-care. And then, and then just the unplugging and the surrendering and, and, and saying to myself, um, okay, I can't fix everything. I can't change a lot. I really don't have much control. I, who does? No one really does. So the sooner um, I can get my head around that, probably the faster I will heal because the more I, and I know this to be true, that the more I try to control something, the more it controls me. And in order to let go, there's got to be some degree of faith, like I said, that if I don't do one thing all day, it's going to be okay. If I don't worry for one minute of my life, it's going to be okay. And I, and I know that um, for a fact, because when I, as, as it pertains to me getting married at such a late age, when I finally, right before I met Robbie, here's how I know this is, this is true, how surrender works, okay? Detach from the outcome. It's not new. It's a very it's a Zen Buddhist concept, detaching from the outcome, which is something everybody should be doing. You work as hard as you can, hard, hard, hard. Work, work, you do it, you put out effort, put forth the effort, and then you let it go. And you just have to have faith that your efforts will, they will, you know, pay off. And so when I met, right before I met Robbie, I had it. I was 49 in, in five minutes, I was about to turn 50. I was so down. I was just in just despair. Um, and I, and I had, had uh, right before meeting Robbie, I had my umpteenth breakup. And that guy just took the last remaining wind out of my sails. And but in a way that even shocked me because I, yeah, I fell apart and I took to my bed, of course, after a breakup and I cried for, you know, ever and the usual, the usual, you know, post breakup grief. But what happened, I, I healed faster because I am deciding right now, I am done with this. I am done getting my heart broken. I'm done. You know, I'm tired. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to date. I don't want to get involved anymore. I'm done. I'm just going to embrace my singleness and be done with it. And I detached and I, and that's when I met Robbie, like not long after that, because I didn't care and I just let go and I didn't fall apart and I would have been fine. And I think people, that's where you say to yourself, I'm, I'm going to be okay. I'm stronger than I think I am. And you will, you will rise up again. Right. Yeah. And that's what I love about women in midlife is that, you know, you can bring so much of that wisdom and experience to whatever situation it is. And, you know, you've had specific situations that have 
helped you build this toolbox, you know, that you can bring to this situation now. And people listening, um, you know, they've been through their own experiences that they can, you know, bring to whatever situation they're in now. So, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, losing two parents. I mean, again, I can't imagine what that's going to be like. I might have to call you up when that time comes for me. <laughs> okay. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. But, you know, I love how so much of it, Treva, just came back to, you know, the me time, you know, taking care of yourself, asking for what you need, um, you know, growing through this, knowing you're going to be okay. Um, you know, leaning on others if you need to, you know, taking a break if you need to, celebrating little wins along the way. Yeah, yeah. And, and allowing yourself to and allowing yourself to fall apart. That is really uh, an integral part of this. And it's okay. And you're and it's okay to feel weak and it's okay to feel scared. I'm still processing all of this. I still can't get my head around it. I still sometimes will stop and go, I cannot believe both parents died. And, but I think there is, um, I just want to finish by saying this, there's, some, there's a protective mechanism that kicks in because people, there's just a human coping thing, skill. And, and you know, it's, I think that's kicking in very much for me right now. And I, I is this, am I on track? Like, am I, is there going to be some horrible breakdown I'm going to have at some point? Or is this, is this just sort of like measured breakdown, like kind of, you know what I mean? So we'll see. But um, I'm just, I'm following my own advice. I am telling myself exactly what I would tell a friend or a client. Right. All right, Trevor. Well, thank you so much for being, you know, willing to talk about this, you know, such a hard topic, you know, of losing both parents during a pandemic. Um, so I really appreciate you coming in and sharing that um, with the Me Time audience today. And um, I look forward to talking with you about dating, uh, which we will do really soon as well. So thanks yeah, again. Yeah. Oh, you are so welcome. I hope that um, there's so many uh, nuances and facets and layers to this whole grief process. I mean, I'm looking to others too. I'm seeking their advice. I don't think anybody's ever really good at this, but um, I could just, you know, as I have for the last 30 minutes, shared what I think is working for me. Um, but again, you know, maybe you and I should check back in like a year from now, right? Let's, <laughs> right. Let's see where the world is a year from right. now, but I hope I'm doing okay. I hope I'm, I think I'm doing okay. Yeah. I think you're doing great. If you find the Me Time Midlife podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. The best way is to simply tell your midlife friends about it. It also helps the show's visibility if you rate and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or simply directly in your Apple Podcasts app if you listen to the show that way. And if you want more Me Time in your life and continue the conversations we have on the show with other women on a similar journey, consider joining our Me Time Midlife Community on Facebook. Simply search for Me Time Midlife Community in your Facebook search bar 
or go to metimemidlifepodcast.com to learn more. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, remember, you've been taking care of everyone else. It's your turn to take care of you.